Interestingly, in both Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, those two passages in which we find the Ten Commandments, both of them list commandment number five, honor your father and your mother. And this is repeated in Ephesians chapter 6, which says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. First commandment with a promise. If we honor our fathers and mothers, we can anticipate God's favor and blessing upon us that we can enjoy a long life on earth. I don't know if you had a mother like I had a mother. If you didn't offer honor your mother, you probably wouldn't have lived very long. Anybody else say, <laughs> I mean, if you cheeked your mother or your father, your life on earth would have been vastly reduced. <laughs> and we thank God for our mothers and our fathers. Story is told of a six-year-old boy who separated from his mother in a supermarket. And he started calling out, Martha, 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 which was his mother's real name. Anyway, she came running to him quickly and admonished him. He said, she said, son, my name is not Martha. My name is, is uh, I know my name is Martha, but you don't call me Martha. You call me mother or mommy or ma in front of all these people. And the little boy answered, yes, I know, he said, but this shop is full of mothers. <laughs> and this church today and those who are watching us online, they, we are all in a sense in a shop full of mothers, but there's only one special mother. We only have one mother for most of us, uh, and there's no one who can take her place. Someone once wrote, you've turned into a mom when? Now, if you can identify with these, then, you know, we had a similar sort of upbringing. You spit on your finger to wipe the mark off someone's face. Ever done that? <laughs> Ever had that done? <laughs> you know, everything kind of comes off with a bit of your mother's spit. You know you've turned into a mom when you automatically double knot everything you tie. Tie those shoelaces, you've got to tie them twice, so you make sure they're double knotted. You know you've turned into a mother when you find yourself humming the Barney song while you do the dishes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you've turned into a mother when you hear a baby cry in the grocery store and you start to gently rock back and forth as you tap whatever's in your hand. <laughs> Ever seen people in the, in the shop doing that? I've seen Rose doing that. I mean, a baby starts crying somewhere randomly and she'll start packing her bag and rocking, you know. <laughs> You know you've turned into a mother when you spend half an hour searching for your sunglasses only to have your teenager say, Mom, why don't you wear the ones you've pushed up on your head? <laughs> you know you've turned into a mother when you're out for a nice romantic meal with your husband, enjoying some real adult conversation when you suddenly realize that you've leaned over and begun to cut up his steak for him. <laughs> yeah. I think many of you can identify with that. Let's talk about some of the things our mothers taught us. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. 
If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I've finished cleaning. <laughs> My mother taught me about religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> My mother even taught me about time travel. If you don't pick up your lip, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the, the logic bit. My mother loved to use logic on me. She would say, because I said so, that's why. I mean, that's good logic. <laughs> My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. <laughs> Did anybody else have that? Just pick up your hand if you ever had that one. Yeah, so I'm not alone on this thing. I mean, uh, uh, mom, I'm not going to have an accident, but in case you do, make sure your underpants haven't got holes in. <laughs> My mother taught me irony quickly. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Remember that one, Anele? My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. I mean, <laughs> then she taught me about stamina. Stamina. You will sit there until you finished your green beans. Nowadays, kids don't know what that's like. I mean, until you finished what was on your plate, you get nothing else to eat. And if it goes three days, you get nothing for three days until you finished what's in your plate on the, in the fridge. My mother taught me about weather. <clears throat> this room looks like a tornado went through it. She taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world <laughs> and I can take you out. <laughs> I think this must have been her favorite one. She taught me about behavior modification, medical behavior modification. She would just say to me, my hand is itching. Anybody else have that? Your mother's had itchy hands. She would just say, my hand is itching. She didn't have to say stop that or my hand is itching and I knew. <laughs> My mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. <laughs> she taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the worst part. She taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when you get home. She taught me about medical science. If you don't stop pulling that face or crossing your eyes, when the clock strikes, it's going to stay like that. <laughs> Do you ever have that? Or when the wind changes direction. <laughs> My mother taught me how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. Well, when I grew up, I stopped eating them completely. <laughs> My mother taught me about genetics. You act just like your father. She taught me about my roots. Shut that door behind you. Do you think you were born in a stable? She taught me about wisdom. When you get to be my age, you will understand. And then she taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, 
and they, I hope they'll turn out just like you. <laughs> yeah, on Mother's Day, we can't say enough good things about our mothers, but we'll try. And today I want to share briefly, and it's going to be very briefly, three thoughts from Proverbs chapter 31. If you've got your Bibles, you can go to Proverbs chapter 31. I learned something this morning, I must say, just while you're turning there. I watched uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Valela getting out of their car, and Anele very dutifully went round to the other door and opened for his wife. And I said, this is a little bit strange to me, because normally if you see a man opening a, a woman's door, either he's got a new wife or he's got a new car, and neither is the case in your case. Uh, but then I realized it's Mother's Day, so he's just being very, very polite. And he said, no, no, there's another option, he says. The door doesn't open unless I open it. <laughs> Hadn't thought of that one. <laughs> but hats off to all you fine gentlemen who open the doors for your wives. I try sometimes. Sometimes. Hey, my baby. Yeah, I try. Huh? Most of the time. No. Proverbs 31. This is directed to a wife. So it's not strictly speaking for mothers. And I've chosen this passage particularly for the reason that I mentioned early. Because there are many wives who would love to be mothers, would have loved to have been mothers, and even wives perhaps whose children have left home. And for many of us, our kids are scattered all over the globe at this stage, in this global village or whatever they call it. So it's maybe a difficult time for some, but let's just see what the Bible says about the wife of noble character. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. So there's something particular about the biblical woman. There's something unique about this one. This one whom God created for man. Remember right in the beginning, there was no suitable helper that could be found in the Garden of Eden. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Let me tell you that not only from a procreational point of view, which is the obvious one, but if man was left to man's devices, there would be nobody left on the earth right now. Let's face it, men. If we didn't have these very suitable helpers who filled this gap of loneliness in our hearts, we wouldn't stand a chance. We would do something stupid to blow ourselves up within moments. So a wife of noble character, who can find she's worth far more than rubies? Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. There's nothing to be found outside of the biblical wife. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. 
She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Thank you that you have already spoken. Thank you for this clear description of the woman who fears the Lord, the one whom we honor today in our midst and watching us online. We bless you with grateful and thankful hearts as your spirit leads us further into truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so just three little thoughts this morning about wives or mothers from the Bible. And the first one is this, that her hands work. Her hands work. Let's just talk for a minute about moms who stay at home. Stay-at-home moms often have this negative perception that they do not work. So what do you do? No, I don't work. I stay at home. <laughs> Let me tell you why most moms work today. It's not because they have to financially, but it's because it's far less work outside of the home than inside the home. So I want to pause for a minute and honor those women who have chosen to be homemakers and stay at home and work. You are greatly esteemed and greatly honored uh, today in Jesus' name. So if you think that a woman doesn't work at home, keep your mouth shut because it won't be able to move much if you keep talking things like that. Anyway. For those who are working outside of the home, I want to encourage all who are here today that chores and household tasks and things need to be adequately distributed in the family. Amen? Sometimes men think their jobs are harder than women for some unknown reason. 
Sometimes men feel that when they get home, they should kick off their shoes and their wives, who have also been at work all day, should have now by this stage prepared a meal because they've been working hard all day. Grow up, men. Grow up. The women have somehow been lumped with some huge amount of stuff that is not there and not in the scriptures at all. In Proverbs 31, however, we see that mothers do all sorts of work. For example, some of the work that's mentioned is that she sows in verse 13. She selects wool and works with eager hands. In verse 14, she shops. She brings her food from afar. In verse 15, she cooks, gets up while it's still dark, provides food for her family. In verse 16, she gardens and farms. She plants a vineyard even. Verse 18, her lamp does not go out at night. Women just have this inexhaustible supply of energy. Can I get an amen? Somehow women just seem to go on and on and on. I don't know how my wife does it. She's at work every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. She gets up at 4 o'clock every morning. Uh, she's at work by 6 o'clock every morning. And she seldom gets home before 8 o'clock at night, by which time I'm generally fast asleep because I'm exhausted. <laughs> so let me tell you, I don't know. You women have got some reserves there that us poor pathetic men don't have. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She isn't lazy. You might have heard the old saying, man works from sun to sun, but woman's work is never done. <laughs> Anybody heard that before? From time to time in counseling families, I hear about lazy woman. Now I want to say, tell you this one thing from God's word this morning. You cannot be a lazy woman and be a woman of God. The two do not go together. Proverbs 31, the mother or wife is anything but lazy. Her hands work. So her hands work, but also her mouth speaks. In verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. I certainly was privileged to have a wise mother. There wasn't too much time for idle chatter, but there was lots of time for wisdom. A London newspaper editor once submitted to Winston Churchill for his approval a list of all those who had been Churchill's teachers. And Churchill returned the list with this comment. You have omitted to mention the greatest of my teachers, my mother. <laughs> One of the greatest statesmen that ever lived understood the wisdom that came out of his mother's mouth. And then there's the story of the preacher G. Campbell Morgan who had four sons and they all became ministers of the gospel. At a family reunion, a friend asked one of the sons, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? While that son looked directly at his father, he said, my mother. <laughs> and I mean, many of us know the greatest preacher in our homes was in effect mother, the greatest preacher. 
Many mothers have done lots of preaching to their children, whether in word or not, just by deed, whether they considered it preaching or not. Mothers preach. They speak. Paul, while writing to his young disciple, Timothy, said, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lewis, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. I can just imagine the generational preaching that would have taken place in young Timothy's home as his grandmother passed on to his mother, passed on to him the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lots of speaking going on there. I don't remember much of what my mom said to me when I was very small, but there's some things that did stick. I do remember she washed my mouth out with soap on a number of occasions. Anybody else had your mouths washed out with soap? Put up your hands, I want to see. Okay, so it's not just where I grew up. And my mouth was washed out with soap for one particular word that I used that to this day I struggle to use. I shouldn't use, but I struggle to use it. I can use much worse words, which I didn't know when I was that young, praise the Lord, because I might not be alive today if I'd known them then. <laughs> but there's one word that still sticks in my mind. If I ever want to try and word, use this word, I can still taste the soap and feel the loneliness of standing outside the front door with my mouth feeling rather, <laughs> rather washed up. <laughs> but thank you, Mom, for caring enough to tell me what was what. Friends, the biblical woman, the woman of God, speaks the word of God. She doesn't speak old wives' tales or nonsensical stories. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on your tongue. Her tongue. Make sure you are not telling your children, touch wood before you get in your car or... You know, stupid things that we sometimes come up with. Make sure that the instruction you're giving your children is instruction from the Word of God. Well, her hands work and her mouth speaks. And thirdly and lastly, her heart loves. Verse 11 again, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life. Let me tell you this, if a husband has full or complete confidence in his wife, then you know that that is a woman who loves her man. When a husband can have full confidence in his wife, then you know there's a woman behind him who loves him dearly. Somewhere on some wife's tomb, an epitaph was written by the husband after 60 years of marriage, and it read as follows, she always made home happy. She always made home happy. That's love. A grandmother was telling her granddaughter goodnight when the little girl said, Mommy and Daddy are entertaining some very important people downstairs. You're right, Grandma agreed, but how did you know? Just listen, the granddaughter said. Mommy's laughing at all daddy's jokes. <laughs> That's just what happens. 
That's what happens when a godly woman really loves her, her man. In front of others, she won't be breaking him down or tearing him down or speaking badly about him. She'll be laughing at his jokes, even if they make no sense and are quite stupid. Friends, when there's lots of laughter in a home, you know something good is happening in the home. Proverbs 17:22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. When there's lots of laughter, someone is putting in lots of good medicine. And it also shows a lots, lots and lots of love. The godly wife, the godly mother is that person generally. So a teacher at school put this question to James in maths class. James, suppose your mother made a cake and there were 10 of you at the table. Your mother and father and eight children. How much of the cake would you get? A ninth was his answer. No, no, James, pay attention. There are 10 of you in the house. Don't you know your fractions? Yes, ma'am, he said. I know my fractions, but I know my mother even better. If she makes cake, she says, I don't want any. <laughs> the unselfishness of a mother shows a heart of love for her family. And all of us, I think today, will remember in some ways unselfish acts of devotion our mothers made to our homes. Mothers, we honor you this morning. We don't know the full extent of the sacrifices. We don't know how many times you perhaps went without that piece of meat or went without that extra new dress or went without something that happened in your lives. And we honor you for that. The famous inventor Thomas Edison once said, I did not have my mother long, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all my life. The good effects of her early training I can never lose if it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never likely have become an inventor. I was always a careless boy, and with a mother of different mental caliber, I should have turned out badly. But her firmness, her sweetness, her goodness were potent powers to keep me in the right path. My mother was the making of me. The memory of her will always be a blessing to me. What a loving tribute to a blessed mother. Friends, this morning, just to summarize, the woman of God, her hands work. How do you match up with that unlazy person? How do you match up? I'm not asking you to sew and cook and clean. I mean, many have full-time jobs and all the rest of it. But are we women who are lazy or are we women of caliber, women of Christian content? Women who are not lazy. Women who are true helpmeets to our, at the end of the day, pathetic husbands. Her hands work and her mouth speaks the wisdom and the oracles of God. Have I passed on the truth of the gospel to my children? Am I passing on the gospel to my grandchildren? Am I spending more time talking about what clothes they've got on 
than what clothes of righteousness they should be wearing. And the woman of God, her heart loves, loving, happy home, speaks of a loving, happy wife. Let me conclude by reading Proverbs 31, 28 again. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So now I want every husband and every child in this place to stand. <laughs> Will you do that? Every husband, you can't be a husband, Annalise. Oh, and a child. Oh. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me. Mommy's sitting next to you and I'm so thick. It's okay. Forgive me for that. And I want you, if you've got your mommy next to you or your mother or your uh, spouse next to you, I want you just to bless them. Just, just bless them. In the name of the Lord. Just say that. If you haven't got your own mommy next to you, won't you just turn to somebody sitting around that you can see sitting, come along to these mommies over here and just bless them. Come on, you daddies over there. Bless the mommies that are sitting by themselves and just say, I want to praise you this morning and I want to bless you for being such a wonderful mommy. In Jesus' name.